All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves, the official, official or official podcast of HockeyFights.com. For all your fight needs, Tim, where do you go to watch your fights? HockeyFights.com. There's nowhere else. I know. I've been doing that for years. Gosh, it's funny. And I'm not just doing this because we're paired up with them. For the last 15 years, maybe 20 years, I've been going to HockeyFights.com. So check it out. Good website. Watch all the hockey fights. Not even the new ones because the new ones are kind of lame, to be honest with you. Go go watch the old ones. That's what I do. I go back and watch Bob Probert, Craig Cox, all these old guys who used to know how to fight. Go back and watch like Mike Milbury when he throws the shoe. It's in there. They're all in there, and they're all really good. But anyways, check it out, hockeyfights.com. So, Tim, it's been a whirlwind the last week or so. We, we decided to branch out the podcast a little bit, and, and we knew the players listened. We knew they were listening into the pod, but I guess I didn't know to what extent. And so we, we threw a couple lines in the water, went fishing a little bit for some players. And my goodness, did we get some bites, Tim? Oh, yeah. Epic bites. So I, I don't know. We, we asked a few guys to be on the podcast and everybody wants to be on the pod. It's nice. So last week we did a couple interviews. We, we missed out on some, some big news that happened. But, you know, we got to give the people what they want. And we, we're not this rinky-dink podcast anymore. We, we get some big numbers. We're a pretty big deal. We're, I, I think we're top two in the world when it comes to hockey podcasts based out of Traverse City. <laughs> yeah, definitely the top hockey podcast in Traverse City, Michigan. That's for sure. Top, top one or two. So, anyways, it's, uh, it, there's some stuff to catch up on. And I want to thank Kirby Doc for jumping on. I want to thank uh, JT Miller. Those were good interviews. But, gosh, we missed out on, on some stuff happening. Anyways, did you see this, Tim? First of all, I just, I just want to start with, like, a maybe a little petty thing that, that happened the other day. The other night, excuse me. So, the Ottawa Senators are playing the Calgary Flames. A ho-hum game, correct? Not a big deal. Well, the goaltender for the Sens, Philip Gustafsson, um, sounds like a nice Swede name. I don't know his background, but I'm guessing he's Swedish. He picked up his first win. So what do you do when the goalie gets the first win? You get the puck. You give it to him. You put it in a frame. It's a big deal. For some reason, the Flames had a vendetta against this guy, and they tried their best to pick up the puck and you know hide it and throw it, and so they couldn't get what. What do you make of this, Tim? Why, why would the Flames do this to this young kid? 
It's just so petty. And, and I, I can't help but think like Matthew Kachuk was involved. So I can't help but think it's older brother's team picking on little brother's team. Um, and, and the Flames have said after too, like once they realized what the puck was, they like handed it back, but they knew what it was. They were trying to like just ruin that moment. And it's kind of disappointing because it's, it's just so petty. And it's just one of those like special things. Like everyone in the league probably has a puck for one reason or another, first game, first goal, first point, whatever. Um, and trying to take that away from someone is just really just petty, I think. What about you? Oh, it's unbelievably petty. Like, it's, it's super just – but I love it. I think it's great. It's the Flames going, you know what? You guys beat us. You're the worst team in our division. We're upset. It was obviously a chippy game. And like, suck it. I'm taking the puck. You know what? kick rocks. I'm taking the puck and, I, and I'm going home. I'm taking the ball and I'm going home. But they got the puck. Everything's all well. Gustafson had the, the pitcher after the game. First win. Good for him. Ottawa's, we talked about them a few months ago. Are, gosh, how many years do you think they are away from being an actual competitive team? Tim, because they have a still, they still have a ton of draft picks that they that they have to work through. What what's the what's the end date for them? Not to win a Stanley Cup, but to, I, I think that's an unrealistic, you know, far off view right now. To be a competitive team in this league, how many years do the Senators need? I mean, it depends on how you define competitive. I, I think they're competitive now. Like a couple nights a week, they're surprising teams by either pulling out wins or making them just barely squeak by on a win with those guys where, you know, not too long ago, we were wondering would Ottawa be one of the worst teams in NHL history. Well, um, okay. Competitive means winning your first round in the playoffs. Um, yeah, you know, three or four. Probably four years. I, I think I think the younger guys need to develop. I think they're a few pieces away. I don't think they really solved their their goaltending issues yet. Matt Murray is clearly not the solution. So, yeah, I would say three or four years. That's that's when I. I mean, at what point Kachuk's going to be like twenty five, something like that, twenty four. Um, he'll be he'll, he'll be hitting his stride. You have Shabbat just taking some big steps every year. He's really taking a, some serious strides this year as well. So, yeah, I would say three or four. So you mentioned haphazardly. We we thought the. Ottawa Senators were going to be the worst team in history. Well, we were right in the worst team in history. We were wrong with the location. Because right now, the Buffalo Sabres, and I don't want to dump on them any more than we have to, they are the worst team in NHL history to this point in the season. They just set the new Buffalo Sabres record for most losses in a row, once held by yours truly. 14 games in a row um, during the lockout shortened season when the GM there, Darcy Regeer, decided to trade everybody in the kitchen sink. And we were left with a ragtag group from Rochester and my, myself included, who was playing on the third line with Matt Ellis and Cody McCormick. A pretty darn good third line, if you ask me. But anyways, fast forward to this year, 2020-2021, coming into the season, they made some pretty high-profile moves, bringing in Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl, re-signing some guys, hopefully getting a rejuvenated Jeff Skinner. It's going to be a new year. It's going to be a new start. Couldn't be any worse in Buffalo. Could not be any worse. The media is jumping all over them. The fans have abandoned them. The players don't want to be there. It's obvious to everybody from the outside looking in. This team needs this season to end in a big way. So, that being said, there are some funny things that are happening with this team this season. Mainly is they don't know how to score goals. They cannot score a goal if it was an empty net and they had a man advantage. For some reason, Taylor Hall has lost his scoring groove. I believe he has two goals this season, Tim. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
About that, yep. As of as of recording, he has two goals. Connor McDavid has sixty-two points, Tim. Sixty-two points. The Sabres have sixty-eight goals. So if I do the math, Connor McDavid has contributed sixty-two goals for the Edmonton Oilers. The, Ed, the Buffalo Sabres have sixty-eight. So this is one player. One. One player has 62 points. 23 players have combined for 68 goals. Is there any chance that Connor McDavid finishes with more points than the Buffalo Sabres have goals? Is there any chance? I know it's very far-fetched. What are the odds that this happens? I think it's not that far-fetched. So he's only six points behind now. He could easily pull six points in one game. He's done it many times. You know what I mean? So, and I think he's going he's gonna to turn it on. And I think the Sabres are going to keep getting worse. They're not going to score more goals as the season drags on, like at a, at a per goal base, per game basis. And it started, they start shipping off like these talent, like they traded Eric Stahl yesterday, which we'll get to in a second. But like their, their scoring ability is not going to get any better as the season goes on. It's going to get worse. So yeah, I think it's very, very possible if I'm a betting man, I'm probably not betting on McDavid, but gosh, I, I think it's more realistic than we think. It's, it's going to take a Herculean effort for Connor McDavid to do this. But gosh, if anybody could do it, it's him. And if any team is bad enough, it's the Buffalo Sabres. For some reason, they can't put the puck in the net. A good game for them is when they score two goals. Right? Or, or is it three? What, like, what's, what's a breakout game for them is if they get four? So you have to assume that they're going to get, you know, a couple of those games. They're going to get shut out a couple times. Last night, I thought they were going to beat the Bruins. They scored twice. Oh, that was tough to watch. But the Bruins, you know, eked one out. They, they got their Buffalo Sabre medicine and they moved on. But if you look at their games played, the Sabres have played 33 games. The Oilers have played 35, so they have that going for them. I think the Sabres will get more goals than McDavid, but just the fact that we're comparing this is outrageous. Like, it's honestly laughable. Buffalo, do you know what their goal differential is? I do know. I looked it up this morning. It's negative 50. 50. I'm 50. (laughs) Like, they're going to finish. The real mark is, are they going to finish 100 goal differential, negative 100? Like, that's a real thing. Like in a shortened season. In a shortened season, right now they're projected to be 99. Can they reach that 100 century mark? Now, that would be something to talk about. A team is minus 165 games. That would be, that'd be a trip. That is, that is something you make up a T-shirt about because that is incredible. So I would starting, love that. They're starting to ship off some assets. We saw Eric Stahl get traded to Montreal yesterday for a couple picks. What do you think of this move from Montreal and adding some depth down the center? Uh, like, doesn't Montreal have enough forwards? Does I don't know. Do you think it changes their team that much? Like, I, I don't think Eric Stahl is a terrible player. I don't think he's a savior for their team. But, yes, down the middle they are weak. We, we, we know that. We, we talked about it. When Philip Deneau is your first-line center, that's when you have issues. You know, you have Suzuki. You have Kakinami. You have these guys – I think Stahl slots in on their second line, and he, he's definitely an upgrade over the guys they have. But I don't think Stahl is the answer. I don't, I don't think he's going to go out there and all of a sudden start producing and be a point-per-game point per guy. I don't know. Do you think this is a big move for them? I don't. I don't think this moves the needle that much. 
Not that much, but I mean, look at like the Corey Perry signing did for them. He's contributing a lot, and and for like a, I think he's playing for the league minimum. And then in in, in Toronto, you got guys like uh, Spezza and Thornton doing something similar too. So yeah, I think it's, they saw like a low risk. I wouldn't say high upside, but a, a player that's not going to hurt you. He brings a lot of um, experience. He brings a lot of leadership to the team on the bench and in the, in the dressing room and all that. And yeah, he'll probably play you know top six minutes, maybe third line. Um, he'll play in a power play. He's he's not going to hurt. He didn't cost a ton. Um, so yeah, I like this pickup for the for the Canadians. And he said he actually waived his no move clause. They were on his list uh, to not trade oh, to, funny. but it, but he's like, yeah, I'll whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, and Get then me the, out of Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. So and I bet we'll see we'll see more of that in, in the coming weeks as well. Well, that actually speaks volume. I I, I didn't know that he waived his no move clause to them. What did he have? Eight teams on his list? Eight or twelve, something like that. So the fact that they couldn't get a biter from the other 20-some teams in the league kind of speaks volumes. Maybe he wasn't as valued or as wanted as he maybe thought he was going to be. So maybe they only had a few suitors and Montreal was the best pick, but whatever it may be, I just don't see it making a big, you know, I don't know, making a big difference for Montreal. And he has to sit out for two weeks. So by that time, who knows where Montreal is going to be in the standings? Right now, you know, they're they're right in the mix of it. But Calgary's on their heels. Vancouver's been playing better. But gosh, Vancouver, like we said, has played a lot of hockey. So we'll see what happens. I think Montreal will end up inevitably making the playoffs and who maybe he'll make a difference versus Toronto. Who knows? But the bigger the bigger fish is Taylor Hall. Where does he go? What are they going to get for him? Pierre Lebrun came out and said the asking price is a first rounder for Taylor Hall. Do you think this is accurate? Do you think that's a good good haul for Buffalo if they can get a first haul for Taylor Hall? Hall I mean, Hall? Yeah, you can ask for whatever you want, right? <laughs> Are you going to get it? Well, yeah, do you think that's a fair? Do you think they will get that? I think someone will. I, you know, it's just because he's such a good player when he's on. But I, I, I read a good tweet from, gosh, I forget who it was over the weekend, but he basically said, and Taylor Hall has been in the league for eight, nine years at this point. He's only had two elite seasons, one you can consider above average, and the rest have been really just troublesome for one reason or another, whether it's injuries, whether it's performance like we're seeing this year. Like, he's one of those on or off players. And when he's not on, he's not contributing much, right? So, um, but, you know, the offensive upside is just so high that I think some team with, with experience that's maybe a piece or two away, I've been saying Pittsburgh all along, you know, he'd be perfect for that team. They always add a winger, go back, like, you know, uh, Aginla and Kovalchuk, not Kovalchuk, uh, Hosa and, and Kessel and all those guys, Hornquist, they always do it. So um, that's where I could see him going. But, yeah, I think he probably could get a first only because someone's going to overpay. That's what it's going to take to get him. And, if nothing else, but to keep him, keep him away from your, your opponents, right? Yeah, it's the Alex Galchenyuk factor that we talked about a few episodes ago where people look at that name, Taylor Hall. Oh, MVP. It's Taylor Hall, the MVP. No, no, it's not. It's Taylor Hall, you know, who's, who's lost a few steps. He's not the same player he was when he won that MVP. And he's a different guy. For whatever reason, his game isn't where it once was. And like you said, he he's not – like, he's okay. But – are you going to get the Taylor Hall that won the MVP that one season? Or are you going to get the guy who's been average the last few seasons? Below average this year. Like, way below average. Who are you going to get? Ghostbusters. But it's just, I don't know. If I'm a GM and you have to make a move, yes, someone's going to pay a first-rounder. But someone's going to regret giving up a first-rounder for this guy. Because there are better options out there. You mentioned a guy who's having a sneaky good season is Phil Kessel. 
He's got almost 30 points. I think he's got 15, 16 goals. The guy just produces. You could probably get him for a third rounder from Arizona. I know he has another year on his contract. I think he almost makes $7 bucks. so that will be tricky. But, man, oh, man, imagine adding him. You put him on the second line, first, first power play unit, you're, you're guaranteed to get production out of him. He's getting production in Arizona when they have an okay forward crew there, you know? So if I'm a GM – I'm knocking on that door before I go to Taylor Hall. I think Taylor Hall is just going to be a big whammy when he shows up for whatever team because they're going to be expecting a first-line guy, go out there, you know, save us, be a huge um, difference maker. And I know I don't see that from Taylor Hall. I, I didn't see it last year. I didn't see it this year. He's got two goals for Pete's sake, and he's, he's on the first power play unit. He plays a ton of minutes. I, I just don't see him playing with the first-line guys. He played with Jack Eichel for half the season before Eichel got hurt, and he didn't produce at all. But anyways – that's that, that's the way I, I look at it, Tim. Yeah, filled the throw had a hat trick last night. So yeah, he's, he's so good. He's still got it. And and I was looking at his stat line. He's had a quietly good season. No one's talking about him. I mean, he's not like he's lighting it up or anything. But fourteen goals, twenty six points, and thirty five games played. I mean, that's that's better than I would have thought. Because just considering the fact that I kind of thought he sort of fell off. Um, and he he can still find the back of the net. And especially like you said, he's not playing with like the cream of the crop when it comes to line mates and power play, you know, line and all that stuff. So um, the other hat trick the other night, did you see Brian Rust scored, I think Saturday night uh, or maybe Friday night, but yeah, um, he had a hat trick against, gosh, I forget who, but he's one of those players I think is super, super underrated. I, I tweeted this out the other day. He had 56 points in 55 games last year and nobody talked about it. I mean, yeah, he's playing with Malkin, but still like he's, he's a really, really good player. I'm um, not quite producing at the same level this year. Maybe that's why, but he, I think he's super underrated. One of those guys that um, you, you'll want in your team for that secondary scoring down the stretch as well. Well, gosh, he, he adds so much to that team because like you said, when you think of the Penguins, you think, oh, Crosby Malkin. But then when you dig into that team, they have some really, really, really good secondary guys. They have him. They have Gensel. They have these guys who can take the load from Crosby and Malkin. Kapanen's there. He's playing fairly well. McCann. They have some pieces that are good secondary third scoring options where you don't just have to go, Sydney, we need you. We need you so bad. Like has been the problem with the Edmonton Oilers. When you look at Connor McDavid and lean on Dreinsidel, they don't have anybody else who can kind of pick up the pace, but Pittsburgh, man, Rust and Gensel are knocking it out of the park right now. Gensel has 34. Rust has 28. Latang's having a bounce back year and Malkin has slowly started to round into form. It took him a good 20 games to find his game, but he's been playing great the last month. So very, very quietly, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been playing great, great hockey. Have you been following that division? Yeah, of course I have. It's the Bruins division. What are your thoughts right now? You know, the season's half over, a little bit over half over. Are you surprised at how well Pittsburgh is doing this season when at the beginning of the year we're like, oh, you know what, they've lost it. They've lost a step. I, w- I was speaking of them in the same vein as Boston. I'm completely blown away by how well Pittsburgh's playing. I'm not surprised. I mean, you look at that roster, you just know they're really capable of being the best team in the league any given year. So, no, I'm not surprised. I never really – wouldn't take them seriously. Um, but as far as like the Bruins go, I, I think they are going to be a lock for that fourth spot if they don't move up and they probably won't. But Philadelphia, we can talk about them in a second. Just laid another just giant stinky pile of poo against the Rangers. Who's uh, who, and actually, honestly, I'd be more worried about the Rangers climbing up. I mean, Philadelphia, we talked about them the other day. They just, they can't, they can't beat the Rangers. They, there's something going on in that dressing room. I think you don't, you don't lose blowouts like that without some like deeper, problem it's not just a bad night it goes deeper than that i think so 
Um, they're missing some toughness. They're missing some, some depth forward, some physicality, and probably a good defenseman or two in order to contend. And I can't really see the GM looking at the, the performance of those guys saying, you know what, I think we should go add some pieces because I think these guys have what it takes to go on a run, and they just don't. Yeah, and Goth Gothisberg, Gothisbear, he he ripped into the decor after their second shellacking by the Rangers last week. He's like, we're embarrassing. We're making our goalie look like garbage. We're hanging him out to dry. These forwards come in front of our net, and they just they don't get touched. We make it life really, really easy for him. Obviously, I'm not quoting him exactly, but he ripped into his decor pretty good. So Philly has some issues. The Rangers, I don't think they are consistent enough. To the, to the point where they're going to make the playoffs. I think the top four is locked in, but it's, it's kind of nice to see. You know, the Washington Capitals, the old boys getting the job done. Pittsburgh, they're finding their game. They're rounding into the old Pittsburgh Penguins that we, we, we loved 10 years ago. So it's almost like we're just – we're back in the 2010s, man, and everything's great. Washington and Pittsburgh are winning. It's going to be fantastic. So we'll see how this shakes out. This is going to be an exciting playoff. If those two play to get into the Final Four, that'll be exciting. It's just like when they got – I don't know. I, I am – a a sucker for, you know, reliving past events and just reminiscing and Washington, Pittsburgh, Crosby, Ovechkin. Like, how can you not be excited about that? But anyways, moving on. You want to talk about a couple more trades, Tim, that came well, out of the pipe? Before that, speaking of reliving the past, oh, oh. Daryl Sutter, oh, going back yes. in time. He is the interim coach for the Flames right now. Jeff Ward was fired a week or two ago. Um, and Sutter's been, you know, he's almost like a torch in terms of the, the sound bites that he's given to the media. He's not shy about what he thinks and feels and all that. Um, and Johnny Gaudreau, I think on Friday night, played his 500th game. And he was, and uh, Sutter was asked before the game what he thought about it, whatever, maybe make a nice comment about a good player. And all he said was, hopefully he has more energy than his 499th game. And Gaudreau, yeah, Gaudreau said uh, after the game, he's like, yeah, I heard what he said. I didn't think too much of it. I've been playing hockey for 25 years now. I know when I haven't played well and when I have. So two questions for you. First, is the NHL better off with Sutter in it? And second, what's your thought and what's your take on coaches calling players out in the media as opposed to handling it behind closed doors? Well, is it it's, it's, ever? Yeah. It's very much better with him in it. And this is a case – of two generations colliding. It's a case of an old school Daryl Sutter who shoots from the hip and he's going to tell you right to your face what he thinks about you and he doesn't care if you're a superstar or whatever. Someone asked him a question and he answered it honestly. The reporter was like, what do you think of Johnny's 500th game? And he probably just thought back to the previous game and he said, Johnny was terrible. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this. He has to be better. And this is a case of Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey, getting a little hurt because when kids of his generation face a little criticism, they don't like it. That they can't, they can't face that fact. And so he gets a little, a little defensive and he's like, well, I heard it. I, you know, I've been playing hockey a long time and uh, I know when I have to play better. I, I would have liked him, you know, taking ownership and being like, you know what? I did play bad last game and I'll rise to the occasion. I like that my coach is challenging me. Do I wish he would have done it behind closed doors? I will guarantee you he did it face-to-face behind closed doors. I will guarantee you that. But it's great that he says that. What else would you want your coach to say? Like, I, I just think if you let your players slide, Calgary, is. it's not like they're in first place. It's not like they're the, the best team in the Northern Division. These guys have underperformed for a year now. 
So the reason you got Daryl Sutter is to come in and shake their cages a little bit. Like, let's wake up, fellas. So if he were to say, oh, Johnny, 500 of the best 500 games we've ever seen. No, the kid played terrible last game. He's one of our core guys. We need him to be better. I think that sends, sends a message, A, to Johnny, and B, to the whole room. He's like, I'm not, elect- I'm not letting Johnny slide, so everybody else has to either you know, pick up their game or we're going to ship you out. So I like that. Will Calgary slip into that fourth spot right now, held by Edmund, uh, Montreal? I don't think so. Montreal's got five games in hand on them. They're two points ahead of them. We'll see how it goes. Calgary just lost to Ottawa, which was usually you give me two points. So I don't know. There's still a lot of hockey to be, be had. Which team would you rather see get into him? Montreal or Calgary? Montreal. Why? I think there's a more fun team to root for and watch this year. And I want to see what those guys can do in the playoffs. The Toffoli, Gallagher, Corey Perry. Like, I want to see. And, and then you got um, Shea Weber and Petrie. Like, they're just – they're a likable group for the first time in a long time. I feel like – I mean, maybe just because they're not in the Bruins division anymore. But I'm having fun following them and watching them and stuff. So, yeah. And the Flames, I think, are just kind of boring. There's not much going on there. There's not much to talk about. There's not much to root for. Johnny Gaudreau is great, but like, as, as as a hockey fan who doesn't have any ties to that area, what are you rooting for in in Alberta? I gosh, you see, I would love to see Toronto, a skill run and gun team, play a team that's going to ice Zach Ronaldo and Milan Lucic, and just see Calgary try to cause havoc. Like the old Broad Street bullies, like let's try to hurt some people. Like let's go out and really try to bury them into the ice. I would love to see Toronto try to just – how they would react to that because that's Daryl Sutter's style. He's going to punch you in the face, and he's going to say, let's go. That he does, he doesn't dance around. He doesn't you know dipsy doodle. He's a punch in the mouth. Let's play some hockey. His L.A. Kings teams were tough. They were hard nosed and they played hockey the right way. I loved playing against L.A. There was nothing better going into the forum, and you knew they were going to ice a tough team, a strong team. Even their skill guys played with an edge. Dustin Brown, Anze Kopadar, Jeff Carter, those guys all played with an edge, and it was so fun playing that team. So I hope Calgary makes it in. But uh, that's just me. I think a Montreal-Toronto playoffs would be, would be incredibly boring. It, they're they're very similar team. One's a little bit further ahead in their growth and skill factor, but they play the same brand of hockey. It would just be a track meet up and down, and Toronto has just too many Usain Bolts. You, you can't compete with them. Montreal, they, just, they have too many Ben Johnsons. Well, Ben Johnson did win gold. Who's a bad sprinter? I, I don't know. Who's a guy who always comes second in sprinting? I, I don't know. Tim, you don't know your sprinter? <laughs> I mean, not, neither do I. And Ben Johnson won gold, but then he tragically took steroids, so they took it away from him. But anyways. So the, the Kings actually on. just added <laughs> some toughness Ooh. With, the, with Brendan Lemieux. Did you see that trade? I did see that. They traded him for a fourth rounder. I always like to see what guys get traded for because I got traded for a fifth. And so whenever somebody gets traded for a fifth, I'm like, yeah, we're the same type of player. (laughs) So Lemieux is a little bit better than I am. Why is this trade happening? That's what I want to know. LA is nowhere near a playoff spot. The Rangers are still playing for something. Lemieux is a valuable piece for them. Why is this trade happening? I don't know. I know he's got a little bit of a mouth on him. I wonder if he's a distraction and they're kind of like, hey, you know what? We're buckling in for the playoff run. And I think we're a better team without him in the room than we are with him. So maybe that's part of it. But he's a good player. I like the way he plays. He, he crosses the line sometimes like a, like a Tom Wilson or something. He's not quite as strong and tough. But like his battles with Trent Frederick, for example, have been fun to watch. Um, he's a player, if, if he was on my team, I think I'd love him. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, 
I can't imagine why this trade went down. I imagine the, the Rangers are just sort of shopping his name around. The Kings are like, hey, we can get a, a solid player for, for cheap right now. Let's add it for the future, but who knows? Yeah, it's one of those moves where you scratch your head. Maybe the Kings like him. They, they wanted to draft him a few years back, and they missed the chance. So, yeah, pick him up. It's just a strange move for the Rangers. Like you said, he is a valuable player. He does a lot of good things that don't show up on the stat sheet. He gets under guy's skin. He plays the body. He's just a good little player. I don't know. I don't like this move for the Rangers, but maybe they have other moves that they're trying to make, make a spot for. Who knows? Not really that big of a move. We're still waiting for the big chips to fall this year. There's a lot of – we're going to do a trade deadline show. It's interesting to see all the names that are becoming available because if you look at these divisions, if you look at the way the points are set up, they're slowly beginning to form a gap between the top four or five teams and the bottom three or four teams. So there's a lot of teams that they know they're out of it. And when you give them another week, they're really going to be out of it. A team is the Nashville Predators. They're kind of, sort of, still in the mix right now. They're just behind Chicago. Chicago's been playing really well lately. They've been picking up points. Maybe in a week, Nashville will say, you know what, we're done. Columbus in the same boat, we're done. Dallas very much out of it. Those three teams have a lot, a lot of very attractive players that teams would like to get their chompers on. A Joe Pavelski, wouldn't you mind picking him up at the deadline? The guy's been absolute money this season. For him to go to a contender would be very, very exciting. I would love to see him get his hands on the Stanley Cup. Friend of the show, Joe Pavelski. He's been on a couple times. He has been. Speaking of the San Jose Sharks, his former team, for, um, I would say show – not a fan of the show, Martin Jones. He's been slowly playing decent hockey lately, Tim. Yes, his, um, his goals against, or save percentage, climbed over 900 over the weekend. So he's actually playing, I mean, what would you say is a threshold for being like a, a, an, an average NHL goalie? I would say 915. <laughs> okay. No, those, those, are, those are the better goalies in the league. Yeah, I would say a good uh, – well, he's a starter. He should be at 9-10, yeah. But there's nothing worse, and I, I can't speak to being a goalie, but as a player, one of the worthless, worthless stats are plus-minus, but there's nothing worse to start the season off, like minus four, minus five, minus six, because it just takes a long time to get those goals back. And if you have a bad game or you have a bad line change and you pick up a dash here and a dash there, it's tough. And Jones, he, he laid a, a big stinker the first month of the season where he had some horrendous games, like absolutely horrendous. So good for him. You know, climbed his way back into a respectable, respectable stats. Like San Jose, they don't have the best team, but good for him. I, I don't see San Jose making any noise in the playoffs for the next decade. But good for Martin Jones. Maybe he can land on a team in a few years that can make a run, run at the playoffs, but not, not in San Jose. As much as I love you San Jose fans, it's not happening. You guys just don't have it for the next few years. Anything else, John? Actually, yeah. So I played university. Um, there's this kid who just got beat out of the playoffs in Wisconsin. They got eliminated, and he's apparently a big deal, Tim. His last name is Caulfield, and the Habs own his, own his rights, and now he's making his debut in Montreal. I don't know anything about this kid. Who is he? Is he going to make a difference? Do you know anything about him? Yeah, I mean, he's having really one of the best college careers in, in a little while. Like he's, he, does, he just scores goals. He leads the league in goals and points. He's just – he's really good. Um, you've also seen him play in the World Juniors. He was on Team USA that just won a couple months back. He, um, everything he's done has turned into – you know, just production and, and all that. So he's really good. Um, we've seen him 
Um, even I think last year he made the, uh, the Canadians, uh, what do you call it? Not the tryouts, but whatever week, the prospects week and all that stuff. And he did really well. He obviously went back to college and he just finished his last year. So we signed a deal just over the weekend here to um, looks like he's probably going to start in the minors, but it's not going to last. I think he's going to be on that team. He's just too good. And, you know, to seeing what he could do would be really fun. Talk about Montreal being an exciting team. Cole Caulfield is an American kid, is a, a kid that a lot of American fans and hockey fans have had their eye on for a couple of years. So it'll be good to see what he can do on the biggest stage. The biggest stage, the Montreal Forum, the Bell Center, excuse me. I, I just reminisce about the old times. It's the Bell Center, excuse me. I don't know. It seems like Montreal has 100 forwards, so this doesn't really excite me too much. Maybe he can get, you know, get on a good roll and maybe score some goals. Apparently, everything he touches turns to gold. But all these college kids coming out with the big hoopla lately, they've just been complete stinkers. The Boston guy, Jimmy Vesey, so far his, his career hasn't looked that great. We, we were talking before the show. We were reminiscing on a Danny DeKaiser. Who else did we talk about, Tim? The college guy's coming out. Uh, Justin Schultz, he's, he's had a, a good year or two. But, yeah, it seems like a lot of times this, this happens where this can't-miss college prospect comes up and uh, and almost are never as good as, as they're touted to be. So, Tim's got a dog licking his ear right now. He's distracted. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching my uncle's dog, and he's very – he's upset that I'm not paying attention to him right now. He wants to go outside. Well, anyway, take your dog for a walk, Tim. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Go check out HockeyFights.com. Go give us a five-star review if you're bored. We will talk. Do we get any interviews this week, Tim? What do we got lined up? Yeah, I got a couple in the works. You got to see uh, some games got moved around for a few teams, like Montreal including. So I'm working on a couple, and uh, we'll share them as soon as we know more. All right. Well, stay tuned for that, everybody. I hope you're doing well. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 